episode two of Superman and Lois, the New Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Zach. Today we're going to be talking about Elseworlds, looking back on Clark Kent and Lois Lane in Elseworlds from last year's CW crossover, what that could mean for Crisis on Infinite Earths. But first, we've got a couple little things of news to get into. The first teaser for Crisis on Infinite Earths has been released. Boy, there's not a lot there. It's about five seconds of footage, but that doesn't mean it's not pretty cool. It's, it's really just about five seconds of new footage. We get a look at the title card and then brought to you by Boost Mobile is the big thing there. What do you think of this, Zach? Like you said, there's not a lot to take from this, uh, especially in the Superman Clark Lois uh, category. There isn't a ton. We John Cryer's there. If you pause, you can see him standing there with the other people. So he's there as Lex Luthor. So maybe that's a good sign that we will see him in some capacity going forward. Um, and we also see, we do see a Superman, just not Tyler Hecklin's version. We do see Brandon Routh, which he looks really good as Superman, but again, not a ton to take from this. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, none of our Earth 38 Superman or Lois. John Cryer's Lex Luthor right there with a bunch of heroes, which is cool. That's a cool thing about Crisis. Uh, normally you wouldn't see Lex Luthor working with a bunch of heroes, but I suppose with the multiverse being destroyed, you kind of put egos aside and think maybe Lex Luthor could be pretty helpful here. Yeah. If he is not uh, turning his mind to evil. So I think there's some cool things they could do with Lex Luthor in this. I'm excited to see that. We'll get into it in our next episode when we talk about Crisis, the comic, a little bit more what Lex Luthor could be doing there. But it looks like he's going to be working with uh, the heroes for at least a part of it. That's really cool. And yeah, Brandon Routh looks great as Superman. I'm excited to see him. That Kingdom Come costume looks really good. Looks like he's hanging out on the Wave Rider. Uh, so I like this. Again, not a lot of footage to go on. Not even anywhere close to a full trailer, but pretty exciting first look. The CW has also announced Crisis Aftermath. This is going to be an after show for Crisis on Infinite Earths, hosted by Kevin Smith, director and personality. Is that is that what we should call Kevin Smith? Uh, he These are two episodes announced so far. They will air after parts one and three of Crisis on Infinite Earths. So that's December 8th, the Supergirl episode, and December 10th, the Flash portions, 9 p.m. immediately after Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm guessing maybe they'll do one for the the final part in January, but there's been no information on that. Yeah, this is kind of cool. This is, uh, I don't know how much information or new stuff we'll get out of this. Maybe we'll see some behind the scenes stuff and maybe we'll even see like they'll have some stills of of uh, or information that you're going to get on upcoming episodes that you wouldn't get elsewhere. But uh, overall, yeah, this is kind of cool. I'll probably check it out. Uh, Kevin Smith has been pretty involved in the past in CW stuff. He's directed a few episodes of the, of the shows and he's, he's got a pretty deep knowledge of DC Comics. So it's cool to see him involved again. Yeah, Kevin Smith is really good for stuff like this. And that's a big deal that they're doing an after show. These yeah. are becoming bigger deals for different networks the cw hasn't done a ton of things like this i know they did a legends of tomorrow preview along with the dawn of the justice league back in 2016 when they were previewing dc movies they did those half hour specials but this looks like it'll be a little more involved and i'm assuming there will be writers directors maybe some of the marv wolfman and george perez might be involved the original comic book creators so that's just speculation on my part but it's something i think that could be really cool and kind of go over hey that was really cool episode and maybe they'll get uh especially for the third part maybe a tease for what happens when the show comes back in january yeah i can guarantee you don't need to watch this to enjoy the the crossover there's not going to be any information in this that you need to know that will uh, tell you what's going on but this is for people who are big fans this is nice it's some just additional content on top of the crossover already well yeah i really want to see the behind the scenes yeah. stuff for something big like crisis like if somebody recorded Tom Welling and Erica Durant's getting back together 
for meeting on set for their, the first time in however many years. Stuff like that I would love to see in this. I don't know if it's included or, or what, what will be in it, but uh, neat little thing. All right, let's talk about Elseworlds, specifically the Superman and lowest portions of that. So this is the 2018 CW crossover last year. Kind of a direct tie-in lead-in to Crisis on Infiniters. It returned Tyler Hecklund as Clark Kent Superman, plus he got to play some evil John Deegan stuff. And it was the introduction of Bitsy Tolick as Lois Lane, our first look at her. Uh, overall, Zach, what did your your high-level, not just Superman-specific, but in general, what were your thoughts on Elseworlds? Yeah, I think now with the context of knowing that there is a, a full TV show to look forward to with a lot more context and story for Lois Lane and Clark, I enjoyed uh, the Clark Superman and Lois Lane parts of this crossover a lot more now knowing that than I did the last time I watched it last year. So last year, I think I was, I obviously I enjoyed seeing Superman and Lois uh, and Clark, but I was a little annoyed that, you know, I want to see more of this, uh, which is probably a good sign. I wanted to see more of it, but knowing that that probably wasn't a possibility just because you couldn't have too much of them and the crossover you need to do a lot with the people who actually have shows, Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. Um, so I was a bit annoyed that we wouldn't get more, but now knowing that we are getting more, there's lots and lots of stuff in here that I like that they've set up, especially about uh, Lois and Clark's relationship, the way that they interact with each other. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff, and we'll we'll get into that as we talk about the individual episodes. But overall, this this has me feeling pretty optimistic about the, the Lois and Clark TV show. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. I thought overall, Elseworlds was probably a step back in just about every way from Crisis on Earth X. Uh, just in terms of production quality and writing and the story and everything involved. But there's a lot of good stuff in there. It's fun and and there's some cool stuff between the leads. And it's a nice little fun kind of wacky adventure that's not too serious or world-ending, even though there's a world-ending type of threat. It doesn't seem as big of a deal. It seems a little smaller. And I like that, knowing that Crisis on Infinite Earths is coming up. Now that's probably going to be very serious. I'm sure there'll be lots of fun stuff, but pretty serious stakes involved there. As for... The Superman stuff, I, I viewed it differently this way, knowing that a show is coming on, because I'm curious if they knew when they started development of the show, if they knew at this time it was a possibility, because a lot of this, to be honest, we'll go through some specific stuff. A lot of this, if you told me this was foreshadowing Superman's death in Crisis on Infinite Earths, I would have said, well, yeah, I mean, it's there in every bit of dialogue. That's what it seems like um, from the first episode to the third. It seems like they were foreshadowing the death. So knowing that's not the case. Um, it, it makes me wonder what they're going to do going forward. They struggle a little bit with Superman's usage just in giving something for him and also Supergirl to do. And that's something these crossovers have kind of struggled with in the past. In Invasion, Oliver just had to not want to work with Kara for the third part. Uh, in Crisis on Earth X, Kara was under, uh, she was getting going to get her heart taken out. So she was kind of under a red sun. Yeah. She was kind of taken out for big chunks of it. So having Superman and Supergirl, I think they struggled a little bit giving them something to do but there's some really cool stuff in this the first part is my favorite usage of tyler hecklin superman in this universe so far and the lois and clark's relationship stuff that is the best part of this for me by far and i hope that's something they use going forward i hope this is how their relationship is i don't really have any complaints about their interactions between the two leads and you know just the looks they give each other the dialogue they have there all of that stuff i really like and i hope that's what their relationship is like we see in the CW, there's a lot of relationship drama. You know, that's part of the, the demo. And I think that's something that's almost inherent to superhero comics. But seeing this Lois and Clark together further along in their relationship, I don't want the little dramas of just communing, communicating with each other day to day. And these two are on the same page. And that's all stuff that I really love seeing together. 
Yeah, even in, I mean, they do have a pretty big portion of this crossover, but even with a little bit of time that they were given, uh, they did a really, really good job of developing the relationship and setting up the dynamic between these two. And it's everything, like you said, everything I saw, I really, really enjoyed. And we've kind of gotten out of the way the really big things that need to happen in the relationship so we can really just jump in in the new show and have everything already set up as a family, which is is pretty cool. Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, because there hadn't been a ton of development for this Superman when he showed up previously, it's, it's also felt like they might be trying to just kind of fatten him up. Yeah. Fatten up the cow for slaughter and kill him off. Like, we don't have a ton of development. Now he's engaged, got a kid on the way. So it felt like they were just trying to force that stuff in to set up a more dramatic death down the line. Now, knowing that the show's coming, they're, it looks like maybe they were just trying to move the pieces in place so they could get a get to the start point they want to be at for the show. Yeah, which, uh, like we've both kind of said, I think that's what kind of changes the perception of this crossover and makes me enjoy the Superman bits a lot more is, is knowing that this development, even though it is maybe a little bit rushed in places, isn't for nothing, isn't just so... He has some sort of emotional weight when he dies, like you said. If Who knows if they knew that they were going to have a TV show, but either way, it's nice that he's a little more filled out now. Um, and it's it's nice to watch this knowing that we're going to get, hopefully, hours and hours and hours, more hours of uh, these two people together. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we can go breaking down the individual episodes, talk about the Superman and Lois stuff that jumped out to us. The first episode, Elseworlds Part 1, was The Flash, Season 5, Episode 9. Superman and Lois showrunner Todd Helming was the showrunner for The Flash at this time. He didn't write the episode, though. But I wonder if he had any influence on how they were, how Superman and Lois were treated in this. I don't know. Um, but I think that's encouraging because this episode in particular was my favorite usage of Superman from start to finish that we've seen in this multiverse. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. If if there's any of the three episodes that give me the most hope for the new TV show, it's this one. And the fact that the showrunner is the same is uh, pretty cool. But yeah, Superman doesn't show up. You don't really get to interact with him until about 20 minutes into the episode. Uh, but it starts with a banger. They go to Earth 38 and we hear the Smallville Save Me theme by Remy Zero. So that's just, that's amazingly um, nostalgic. That's really cool to see. And I really, really hope we get to see uh, some Smallville flashbacks or even just current day going there and visiting ma uh i'm really really hopeful for that in the new tv show yeah this still it's a little jarring i still a little jarring hearing remy zero's save me yeah and it not being <laughs> tom welling and erica durance it's still a little jarring but i think it's a cool um you can look at it as a cool homage and we go right to earth 38 smallville surprising to see smallville a little bit that they would go to there um but again this is a really cool use of clark and that it felt like he's been experienced for a while and he's used more of a men as a mentor here in this episode because he's got so much more experience than the other ones. I thought that was a real cool introduction. Uh, what did you think of Bitsy Tolick as Lois Lane showing up? Clark's holding up a car for Lois to work on, the classic red Kent truck, and she is she's doing her mechanic work. Apparently, she's got some skills there, even if she doesn't know what parts are called. Uh, what did you think of their that introduction, the first look at Lois Lane? Yeah, it's a really good introduction because she's pretty fierce and independent. Um, you know, she's right out of the gate talking about her career and how she is a, a really good journalist and her passion for journalism, which is a huge part of her character, obviously. Um, but also just the the fact that this is a very established Superman and Lois relationship. She's she's dropping names to obscure 
Superman uh, mythic places, the Jewel Mountains, the High Council, all of these these kind of deep cuts to Superman mythology, which is really cool to hear um, and hopefully stuff that we get to see going forward. But then um, her trust in Clark is really cool too. The She's going up a ladder with a hammer and she doesn't even care. She's like, ah, you'll catch me because Superman wants her, her to be, or Clark wants her to be safe, but she knows that he's there to catch her. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of a joke. It's a cute relationship thing that they have there. I don't think she's being reckless just no. to for anything like that but it is cool to see that um yeah i did like the deep cuts to krypton's jewel mountains the high council that kind of stuff that was really cool because we knew the start of season four of supergirl superman was off world at argo visiting argo the remains of krypton that were discovered in supergirl season three i think and we knew so we knew clark was there but we didn't know lois was with him and so now we know they had spent several months on argo and got to experience kryptonian culture firsthand and now they are back, at least for a little bit. There's also some playful ribbing. I think Lois makes fun of the fact that Clark writes about Superman as Clark. So that's that's fun to see as well. Yeah, that's a, a good joke. And it's like I like seeing the emphasis on their reporterness, mm-hmm. their Daily Planet history. Uh, I, I've got some questions on that after Elseworlds Part Three. If they're gone for a while, how that affects their career at the Daily Planet. But I like the emphasis on this that they're both reporters. They're both very good. Lois is very good award-winning and has really proven herself and so i like that being a really key part of their introduction and we see the the clark and kara conversation which is cool to see clark the mentor and and i also like that it seemed like kara had been there a lot before yeah whereas previously in the universe it, it almost seemed kara seemed a little too excited to see clark before like they didn't get to see each other much this seemed like oh yeah she's been to the smallville farm a thousand times you know she might stop there every once in every other weekend or something like that like it's not something we necessarily see on the show or need to see on the show of supergirl but i'm glad that they looked like it seemed like yeah no big deal we're here all the time hanging out and talking that's natural perfectly natural i liked seeing their relationship like that yeah i really like that and i i love the focus on the farm especially like right after this barry and oliver show up and they've they've body swapped and they have each other's powers so they need to learn about each other's powers but like besides that the, the thing that they really learn at the farm, which is cool and like ties into what I love about Superman so much, is that it's not really so much about learning about their powers. It's about like learning about actually being a hero. And then the fact that the powers that you have don't really define how good of a hero you are. It's like the choices you make and what kind of person you are. And that's that's basically what makes Superman Superman. And it's really cool to see that uh, come out of the Smallville farm and really cool to see that be a focus of this of this superman and lois so hopefully they can continue that into the tv show as well oh yeah absolutely and then we see uh lois with her hammer against barry Barry and oliver break up so lois just has her hammer uh so we get to see barry and oliver first meeting clark and lois oliver puffs out his chest which i'm not really sure why because um i don't know but it was was a fun little bit and then lois lane introduces herself lois lane daily planet which is a really cool, really iconic line. It's really weird the way it's kind of shown and edited here. It's just, yeah. just like, oh, Lois Lane, Daily Planet. Like these people from the other earth even might not even know what the Daily Planet is. And nobody even acknowledges what Lois Lane says. But it's a cool Lois Lane line. And so I'm glad it was there. I wish it had been executed a little bit differently. But that's how they get introduced. Yeah. And we get to see more of Lois's snarkiness, which is fun. The humor. Uh, she and Clark are watching Barry and Oliver train and she's telling Barry to to deck him, Barry. And they, they look at her kind of shocked and she says, what? He's a jerk. So that's definitely in the spirit of Lois Lane of speaking her mind, not being afraid to to say what she thinks. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I, as someone who's watched Arrow for many years, thinking Oliver's being a bit of a jerk, <laughs> yeah, you can relate to Lois Lane in that moment there. Is it nice of her to say deck him when she's just met him? Maybe not. But it's it's a you know the whole event is was really played for humor, and this is just another part of that. I thought that was a a fun moment with Lois speaking her mind, like you said. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up the the time at the farm, and we get more into actually seeing Superman. Clark being Superman and starts with a, a pretty cool moment of they ask, who are you? Uh, and he says, a friend and rips his shirt open and you get to see the the suit, the symbol. So that's a really cool reveal of his suit. Yeah, the classic Superman shirt rip. They go with a friend, which also rewatching this, I'm really reminded of the influence of the Christopher Reeve Superman series. Lots of visually and all of that. Um, we're not going to mention all of them, but I was really reminded of how many nods they made to that film series, especially the first film. And Superman being a friend is a big part of that. This also reminds us Cisco being from another Earth has no idea who Superman is. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, who are you exactly? And he's like, oh, I'm a friend. That's all you need to know. Sure, I'll help. And so he goes to Earth One with the others to help fight Amazo, who had broken out or was unleashed. And Superman gets to put the finishing blow on Amazo, except it doesn't really be the finishing blow. And then Amazo, of course, gets all their powers. But a really cool moment where Superman's kind of taking the lead. He's standing in front because he was closest to Amazo. And he tries some super speed punching on Amazo, which does not work at all. Yeah, this is overall, there's some pretty cool stuff uh, getting to see Superman fight and some heroic moments from him. But this is this is kind of where the, the crossover is a just slightly a bit of a letdown if you're just looking for Superman centric awesomeness, because obviously he can't be as hugely powered as superman really is and just take everybody down by himself there needs to be some focus on the characters who actually have full tv shows at this point in history uh so that's understandable but yeah we still even with those limitations there's some pretty cool stuff like you mentioned yeah they have to they have to balance i didn't expect superman to come in and save the day although like part of me always kind of expects superman to come in and save the day but knowing that barry oliver and Kara have their own shows we knew that it was going to be heavy for them so it could definitely upset some fan bases if you just have Superman come in and solve everything. So I realize there's a balance there. But I will say this is this action scene in this episode is also the best, I feel, of Tyler Hecklin's Superman presence. Just the way he's filmed, the way he acted. He really seems confident as Superman. Yeah. Whereas when he first showed up in Supergirl Season 2, he was acting like a confident Superman. Whereas here, he actually seems like confident as Superman, if that makes sense. He Just the way he carries himself. Uh, you know, part of that Superman presence is being one of the biggest and physically biggest guys in the room. And Hecklin isn't the biggest Superman. You know, he's a few inches shorter, 20, 30, 40 pounds smaller than you would expect from the typical Superman. But you can make up for that some ways by the way you carry yourself. And he seems really confident and comfortable in the role here, more confident and comfortable than he had ever been previously. Yeah. And that's a really good point, especially in this crossover. He got a lot more opportunities to try out different things with the character just because we spend so much more time with his character than we've really gotten to spend with him uh, in the past. So yeah, that's a, a really good point about his confidence. After the fight, there's also uh, a moment where Barry says, we couldn't have stopped Amazo without you. And Clark kind of being self-deprecating uh, says, oh, I'm not sure about that. Although I, I really think he probably does deep down know that he helped out uh, quite a bit, but that just kind of shows the the modesty of Clark Kent, which is cool. Yeah, it shows the modesty. It also, to me, seemed like foreshadowing yeah. for, I'm not going to be around. <laughs> so again, I'm not going to be around. You guys would have been fine without me. 
Um, but it's a cool wrap up there. We get to see Sherlock, the Wells of the time on the fl- Wells of the season on the Flash, give gives Clark an alimony check because his third ex wife is on Earth thirty eight. <laughs> Just again another goofy fun scene. But overall, this first episode, best Superman stuff we've seen so far. Really strong introduction to Lois Lane. She gets less to do. Obviously, she doesn't come along for the adventure. She gets less screen time, but a really strong episode for the two of them. Yeah, really, really liked uh, the interactions that they had in this and um, just especially all the time at the the Kent farm. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. There's also a deleted scene, which has been on the Flash season five Blu-ray set where Clark and Oliver are on the Kent farm training. So if you want to check that out, you should. Uh, But essentially, Clark is teaching Oliver how to use super speed, and it ends up being a nice story that Clark tells about when he first learned about his super speed and how Mon Pa Kent helped him with that. Yeah, and I'm I'm really hoping we see some of these interactions between him and his son on the TV show, depending on what his his son's age is um, and if he what kind of powers he has. And I hope that we get to see Clark being paternal like talking about the the struggles he had to deal with or even maybe flashbacks that would be okay but even i i would be fine with just hearing him describe stuff like he did in this scene i i really like this this style yeah absolutely i love this scene this might be the best hecklin scene i've seen um i'm a sucker for clark telling stories about ma and pa kent i could listen like if the show was just that i would probably still like it just as much but obviously there's not a lot of good drama in that but you can see how this might apply to superman and lois the show yeah Clark passing on his wisdom, you know, rather than a 30-something Oliver Queen, we're talking a young child of his own, but same premise there. Passing on, these are the superpowers, these are how you deal with them, why it's important to learn how to use them. So it's just a really good fatherly scene of Tyler Hecklin as Clark Kent. Yeah, I loved it. On to Elseworlds Part 2. Not much to say here, Superman-related. There's no Bitsy Tolick as Lois Lane. There is no Tyler Hecklin as Superman, although he shows up at the very end as the evil black suit Deegan. Uh, there is a Superman the movie homage where he where Kara catches a bullet in the alley. So that is the closest Superman thing in there. And Earth 90 Flash mentions the crisis and they're facing a collision of realities and everything that's going on with the monitor. Crisis setup, um, not really something important that we're going to talk about, but that's all really for Elseworlds Part 2. Yeah, not a lot of Superman like you said in this, um, but... The stuff that they're talking about for Crisis will probably uh, be important when we actually get to that crossover this year, but uh, not a lot to, to take from them. Yeah, absolutely. So Elseworlds Part 3, which was Supergirl Season 4, Episode 9, we get lots of Tyler Hecklin as the evil black-suited Superman. What did you think of Hecklin's portrayal here? Yeah, I, we hadn't seen a lot of, I don't want to say like range, because I think that implies that he's a bad actor, but we hadn't gotten to see him kind of flex his... Uh, acting muscles in anything other than the heroic Superman, which is okay. So it was really nice to see him take a completely different take at it and even play two different Supermen at the same time in this episode. But I thought he did a really good job at playing evil Superman. He was scary and convincing that he was an evil person. So I think that opens up a lot of possibilities of, you know, different colors of kryptonite or whatever, um, mind control or whatever different story reasons they come up with for maybe Superman to be evil in some of the episodes of Superman Lois. I would be totally on board with that. I liked those storylines in uh, Smallville, so I'd be okay with seeing some more of those. Yeah, absolutely. I think Hecklin does a really good job playing evil. Sometimes he's over the top, but I think that's really part of Deegan's character that was established by Jeremy Davies playing him 
earlier. Like he's a little, a little bit of the mad scientist type villain kind of, ah, the, I'm the master of all, all that kind of stuff that he gets in, especially in the final battle, a little over the top, but I think that's Heckland doing what he is asked to do. So I don't have any complaints there. And yeah, like you mentioned, different shades of kryptonite. Um, if there the multiverse is out there, maybe we see an Ultraman or an Overman or any other kind of versions where Hecklin could be playing an evil Superman. I would be all for that down the line. And the black suit that Deacon wears looks pretty good. It's basically the Superman suit with a high collar. Uh, but you take the cape off, and it's not terribly unlike the Return of Superman costume after the death. So I think they should hold on to that, take yeah. the cape off, and save it for you know a nice long-form Death of Superman arc a few seasons down the line. It also is similar to the black suit from Superman and Lois and Clark, the the lead-in to Rebirth from the comics. So pretty similar there with uh, the black suit Superman. Yeah, hopefully they've still got this suit around and hopefully it still fits because uh, they could definitely make some good use of it. Other Superman stuff in, in Elseworlds Part 3, we see Jimmy Olsen, the Earth-1 Jimmy Olsen, is rewritten as Superman's worst pal. He's an enforcer for Cisco. That's obviously an odd to Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, the comic book series, which went for 160-some issues. Uh, so a neat little thing there, again, doesn't tie in much or tell us anything. Uh, but Barry and Oliver, as the Trigger Twins, are traveling to Earth-38 because they need Superman's help as Deacon has rewritten reality once again. And Lois and Clark are just there having a cookout in the Fortress of Solitude, like it's any other day. Yeah, which is, I, I don't know if I've seen that before, a cookout in the Fortress, but um, I guess if you're living there or if you're there for long term, you got to eat something. So yeah, that was that's funny to just see kind of everyday life in these crazy Superman locations. And uh, I think the TV show is probably going to focus on a lot of those kind of small everyday details. The The synopsis that we have right now talks about how how they're going to deal with the modern struggles of parenting and being a family in the modern day world. So these are the kinds of things we'll probably see. Yeah, I don't know how much we'll see them at the Fortress of yeah. Solitude, but I, th I think Superman and Lois were having some cooking something in Superman too, if I remember right. Um, that is not important, but I'm glad there is a grill in there for some <laughs> reason, a grill in the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, we see the Cisco touching the cosmic anvil. There's this fun joke where Cisco's just stealing things and shoving them in his pockets, but he also touches the cosmic anvil. Lois says you shouldn't touch that. That's what the cosmic anvil is from Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. It basically can, you know, break apart tiny little suns and he can feed his sun eater. Uh, totally, totally out there, relatively speaking, Superman concept. Uh, so I don't know if, I don't know if Hecklin Superman has a little pet sun eater in the fortress or not, but the fact that he has a cosmic anvil is a pretty deep pull from Superman lore. So it's cool to see that included here. Yeah. And that's the, the kind of thing that hopefully they'll, they'll continue in the TV show is pull from some of those deep things that we would probably never see in movies anyways. So this is a good, a good uh, medium to, to play with some of those things. Another thing we've learned that Superman has experience with items like the book of destiny. And I think that's cool because we don't know what the Superman has been up to. And that's kind of a good thing now that the show is we know the show's coming. That kind of gives a blank slate. You know, he's been to Warworld. He's fought Lex Luthor. We don't know what else he's done. So I like that they're implying he's dealt with something like this before. And he has he has had some experiences in all those years as being Superman. But it also leaves things open-ended if you want to have flashbacks or if you want to do present-day stuff and reference past events. You've still kind of got a lot to work with there. Yeah. Like you said, that's a, a perfect... It's really nice that they left that kind of open and... uh yeah, I really want to see the adventures of this fully formed 
Superman who's been around the block for a while and some of the crazy hijinks he gets up to. And along the lines with the Clark and Lois relationship there, I just love the Clark saying, I have to go. Lois looking at him, you have to go, saying it at the same time. Just a really cool thing. Like, there's no drama there. She's not, oh, you have to go save the world. Why? Why do you have, why don't you stay and finish this cookout while yeah. reality is warped around you? No, it's like, yep, yep, they've been through this before. Go. That's, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And it's awesome that they're that established. Um, and they'll probably be even more established once we get to the TV show. Um, but yeah, so he, he leaves and so real Superman now shows up to fight Deegan. Um, and he says nice suit to him when he sees him in the black suit. That's just, that's fun. Um, but we get to see them fighting back and forth. We get to see Superman saving a helicopter being heroic. Again, the, this crossover has the highest budget of any of these TV episodes and it looks pretty good. They probably won't have this big of a budget on the TV show, but it's still encouraging to see uh, that it looks pretty decent, the action scenes with him involved. Yeah, I mean, you're still limited on the CW budget by, you know, doing a character like Superman with all the, the scope that could be in an average story for him. But it is also, this is also a good reminder, things have come a long way since Smallville, for instance, you know, you couldn't have done this with special effects budgets at the time of Smallville. So even if it's not the biggest, hugest budget possible Superman stuff out there, there's still a lot you can do with it. Yeah. And while they're fighting, they do the, the superhero thing of where you go into an office building and crash through the windows of a, a high rise. And somebody in the office calls Superman Bizarro, which was not really addressed again or anything, but it was just, <laughs> it was cool to hear that. Yeah. It's like a cool Easter egg. And I think that's how you're supposed to think of it. Me, it kind of takes me out because I'm thinking, okay, Deegan exists on a world where Superman doesn't exist. Right. So Bizarro shouldn't exist bizarro shouldn't be a pop culture term so i'm like okay is she calling actual superman bizarro has there been a bizarro before i'm i'm way overthinking it and you're just supposed to have fun with it but uh it did make me wonder there and, and superman kind of gets beat up pretty easily yeah by deegan um you know for a guy who just got his powers i wish that wasn't the case but you, you obviously need him deegan to defeat defeat him same time i wish there was a line where deegan said he gave himself the powers of 10 superman so he's 10 times as powerful as superman he can rewrite reality why can't he do that uh i would have liked to seen that but as much as i would like to see superman defeat deacon there you couldn't just do that easily and the story would be over yeah i think in my head that's pretty much what i i did to justify is he's got the book of destiny he's rewriting reality he has made himself stronger and that's why he's able to beat him but even if they don't come out and say that uh speaking of the book of destiny clark gets it so he opens it and he gets he puts almost everything back to normal um, but while he's doing that he sees that Kara and barry are going to die if they try to slow down time um, so he's here's some more experience with him working with items like the book of destiny um, and getting to use them yeah absolutely and this is starts my least favorite stretch of superman stuff for the first for the most part he does certainly see the book of destiny and that they're going to die so you can justify him saying what he does but it is also weird to have the optimistic most optimistic superhero get out hoped by the most pessimistic version of Green Arrow I've ever seen. It's kind of like at this point, Superman's just there for other heroes to kind of prop themselves up. So this is where my frustration start. Frustration starts with Elseworlds, my biggest complaints, especially when you get into the Superman and Supergirl stuff later. Yeah, that's that's frustrating. But then right after this, we do get a really cool moment where Superman is looking at Deegan and says, you can't just wear that symbol on your chest and call yourself a hero. Our powers amplify who who you are. I thought that was like, that's a perfect Superman quote and kind of the ethos that I hope his character has going forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, but then they keep going. There's more fighting. Um, 
and people show up from other Earths to help, including Lois, who shows up with the cosmic anvil that we got to see earlier. She says, I liked you better in blue. Again, just a, a fun moment with Lois. It doesn't really change a lot, but it's just really cool to see. Yeah, I wonder how much action we'll see of Lois going forward. I wouldn't want her showing up with a cosmic anvil to every Superman battle. Ideally, her storyline would involve some sort of reporting in that, but I wouldn't, I'm not opposed to her breaking into a, a fight on occasion when it makes sense. And we got, because of that, we get this great shot of Superman saving Lois while time is slowed down. And she says, told you you'd catch me. So we get that, that nice payoff from the, the beginning of the first episode of this crossover. It's nice to see that tied back in. Yeah, absolutely. A cute moment between the two of them. So everything gets kind of wrapped up there. Clark and Carr go back to Earth 38 Smallville. It's kind of, there's a throwaway line where it sounds like they were fixing up the farm for Ma Kent. No mention of Pa. Uh, so I'm guessing he is probably had a heart attack or something yep. and is no longer with us, but at, at least Ma's around and Grandma Kent would be a great babysitter for uh, baby Kent in Superman and Lois. And maybe that would allow them to have, have the, ch- the child to allow to have some adventures on the Kent farm while hanging out with Grandma. I think that would be really cool. Something they could use in the show. Yeah, that, that moment is really, really nice, and it's cool that they go back there. And then everything after this, it gets a little messy. Um, this is this final episode is Supergirl, so it has to be very Supergirl-centric, and they, they make sure to do that. And then this part really makes me question whether they knew they were going to have a TV show for him. I don't think doesn't really seem like they did if you watch just this portion. And it kind of seems like they're rushing things to, like you said, put some meat on the bones of this relationship. But uh, it starts with he's talking to Kara and he says, you really are so much stronger than me, Kara, which they've done that before with the Supergirl Superman uh, relationship in this universe where they they need to hammer home the fact that Superman is weaker than Supergirl. That's not my favorite stuff that they do with the character. I don't think that will be a big issue on the their own TV show. I think Superman will probably be the strongest hero on his own TV show. Yeah, that's this this along with, you know, the. Clark saying the world doesn't need Superman if it has Supergirl. All frustrating things, all my biggest complaints about what they've done with Heckland Superman so far, uh, sort of pushing him down to prop up Kara rather than, you know, trying to doing it any other way. I don't know why you need to establish one is superior than the other anyway. And if you are, uh, why you need to make the greatest hero of all time look worse to to promote another one. But these are all things actually that I think Clark would say. That makes sense to me. The fr- the more frustrating part is Cars just like, oh come on, you yeah. know. It's, it's like the way it's written. So it's like, oh yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, you're worse. And then Lois is standing there. Yeah, you know what? That's true. Women are better in crisis. Supergirl is more useful than you. Like that's that's all frustrating stuff. Uh, not stuff I like at all. Um, so frustrating. But yeah, hopefully on his own show, it won't be every guest hero of the week that they have talking about how great that guest hero is and better than superman uh, and then from there we get just kind of a whirlwind tour of what's going to be going on with clark and lois so they announce that lois is pregnant and that they're going to be going to argo where it's safer for lois and so Kara asks oh you're going to be gone for nine months and they say no maybe longer uh, so they don't really know at this point i don't know why lois can't wear some blue kryptonite jewelry or something <laughs> i don't know if that's been established in, in this universe yet but um, so they're basically getting ri- just a way to get rid of Superman for the time being. Uh, but that does tell us there's a baby. So she's a few months pregnant at that point. You got to think the baby's going to be around six months old at the time of crisis or something like that. And they're on Argo. Um, so I wonder what they're going to do with the baby on Argo. Um, how the baby is going to be involved with crisis or maybe the baby ages faster on Argo or however they handle any of that. 
is interesting to me, but it's also interesting that Lois and Clark are going to be away from the Daily Planet for probably a year and a half. Yeah. If you think they were at Argo before this, they come back and then they go back to Argo for a year. Uh, I hope Perry White still has a job waiting for them when Superman and Lois picks up the series because the Daily Planet is a really important part of their relationship. So I hope that's not gone, but it does make me wonder how that is going to pick back up when the show starts. Yeah. And especially with Crisis, things are going to get rewritten and reality doesn't isn't really set in stone in any way or time or anything like that so i'm guessing that some of these details will either most likely just be glossed over or if not glossed over explained and with some throwaway lines or something and we'll get to see them at the daily planet and yeah yeah absolutely i'm just curious how they're going to handle all that yeah uh we cut to the the fortress of solitude and there's a, a neat moment where lois says honestly the world might be fine with just car danvers it makes it seem like they're not um they're not lying to Kara, but maybe they're going out of their way to promote her confidence that she's going to be the lone hero on this yeah. earth. So it seems like, you know, they're not trying to mislead her, but they went out of their way to build up her confidence while Superman and Lois are gone. Yeah. And now they're kind of trying to reassure themselves that what they told her really is true and not worry too much about his cousin while they're gone. Absolutely. But yeah, then we get to see Clark. He zones out while he's cooking dinner. He's still got that grill going i don't know if they left it going the whole time they were gone and maybe that's why everything's burnt and lois tells him to just use his heat vision next time that's a fun little thing i will say they're, they're showing clumsy clark i hope they don't do that too much uh that's fun in the reeve movies and and that kind of thing i think in any long form superman thing that doesn't really hold up i think it gets old like the the clumsiness being played for for laughs but also just logically if if superman is capable of zoning out like that and being clumsy like I mean, if he trips and knocks over a building, that, that's a that's a real problem. So, so Superman really can't be clumsy. Uh, so I wonder how they're going to handle that. I do like, speaking of All-Star Superman, there's a part in that where Clark knocks someone over, but it is to get them out of the way of something's falling off a bridge ahead so that would have fallen and hit a guy in the head. So he clumsily knocks, pushes the guy away. That's how I would like Clark's clumsiness to be used if they're going to do it, but if they have to do it, but either way, um, it's meant as a cute moment. And so I do like it still. Yep. Uh, but then the, the weird grill thing kind of pays off because he reaches in and grabs a coal and turns it into a diamond ring in his hand, which is, that's cool. I don't know. I under, guess I understand where the diamond came from. I'm not totally sure where the ring part came from, but we'll just, we'll go with it. Oh, he just, he brought the ring. <laughs> right. He brought the, yeah. Um, yeah. A cool nod to Superman three, couple times in smallville i think uh seeing the proposal this is really cool i think this is just be well i guess it's the third clark to no fourth clark to lois proposal in live action there was lois and clark smallville kind of happened in batman v superman justice league not really but uh, it's kind of implied there so yeah kind of a really big moment in their relationship and so it seems like that's how they want to get it set up makes me wonder if a wedding is on the way in crisis Otherwise, why introduce it here? Um, but either way, pretty cool to see the the proposal in the fortress. I would have liked to have seen it as Clark instead of Superman. Yeah, that's just a minor nitpick for me. Um, but other than that, a cute moment between the two of them. Yeah, and that that really wraps up uh, the whole crossover for them. But like I said, this this did a ton of heavy lifting for the relationship setup between Lois and Clark. Um, they're having a kid. They're getting married. They're moving. We get to know all about their. Um, their jobs and everything that's important to them so that's this has done a ton of stuff and then we have the the five episodes who knows how much they'll be in all five of those episodes but we have five more episodes to potentially add even more details to their story before we actually get 
to the TV show. So, but things are looking really good in my mind for uh, their relationship so far and just the kind of stories that they'll be able to tell with these two characters. Yeah, you can see how this moves a lot of pieces into place to set up where the show might pick up from because, you know, it's clearly getting it wherever they want to be to start the show because you would think proposal, child, that's something that you could, a normal TV show could take seasons to develop those kind of things and, and set those in place. So they, it's clear they want that from the start of the show to then be engaged or married with a kid um, is something how they, that that's how they want it to go from the pilot. So overall, uh, a really strong introduction introduction to Bitsy Tolk is Lois Lane. Again, we didn't get to see her reporting or doing anything like that, but we got a little bit of her personality and character. Good stuff. And a strong performance by Tyler Hecklin as Superman, a little bit as Clark Kent, and a little bit of a look at what he could be like as an evil version of Superman. Yeah, I again, I really, really enjoyed this portrayal of Superman and Lois a lot more knowing that we have more stuff coming from them in the form of a TV show. So this going back and watching this was a lot of fun um, and just kind of daydreaming about all the cool things they could do with these two characters. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that's it for our Elseworlds talk next time in two weeks as we get closer to the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths. We'll do a brief review of the Crisis on Infinite Earths comic book series, kind of talk what they might be taking from that for the Superman and Lewis portions of Crisis and just what our predictions wish list are for these two and the other Superman and Lois family characters in the CW's adaptation of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. So thanks for listening and remember to keep believing in a better tomorrow.